You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical Lydia on today's show we're going to be doing the 1993 classic St. Patrick's Day classic Leprechaun next to Darby O'Gill and the little people that is (laughs) which you've never seen listen I let people down in a myriad of ways and the the way that I seem to let you down the most in our entire history of friendship is that I have not seen this Walt Disney classic And you've still never watched Heathers either. No, I haven't watched Heathers at all. But I keep meaning to. That's that's two ways you've let me down. That's not one of those things in which I am secretly like, oh, don't worry, Lydia. I'll check that out. Wink. I just keep meaning to. You know, every time I go to Turning Point, I don't see it and shit. Sort of like how Steve would tell Chris on Vine Torture Cast that he will watch Rawhead Rex. That same sort of thing. <laughs> he's got a he's got the perfect opportunity now. A big glossy version of Rawhead Rex is coming out to Arrow. Why? Arrow, man, sometimes you guys I can understand that. What I can't understand is the new glossy version of Soul Tangler coming out. <laughs> and when Soul Tangler was having thirty five mil runs in theaters and had people going to see it in earnest, I, I was appalled and, and taken aback and do not understand this sort of like it's so bad it's good mentality that's attached to that which you can't really say about rawhead rex there's things about rawhead rex that are enchanting and scary not in soul tangler though yeah that soul tangler is that not your primordial review grounds if you were to sift through the muck of your base horror DNA as or a internet ho- movie database yeah <laughs> <laughs> you would find how i've likened it to Something where my dog has rolled in cooler dead things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still have yet to, to read that review proper. I'd probably... I'll dig it up for you. Just like I dug up clips of Darby O'Gill and the little people for you. So you can get a, a different take on a leprechaun here. Because mm-hmm. we've got a particular style of leprechaun. A horror kids version of a leprechaun that mm-hmm. we're dealing with today. But we had to take it back to... The Disney 1950s version, the Sean Connery starring Darby O'Gill and Little People, which I'm just flabbergasted you haven't watched. That's a very cool ending. I will give it that from mm-hmm. what I saw. I don't know if I could stand the 10-minute musical sequences where everyone's <laughs> dancing a jig, but I, I can get down with banshees and black carriages taking you off to the great beyond. I can definitely uh, cut off a slice of that. Darby O'Gill and Little People was one of the first things I saw that really explored death in a really visceral way. And the fact that somebody was collected by a Grim Reaper type figure in these banshees and taken to the other world, much like Sharon on the River Styx in in a like a ghostly carriage of dark horses that flew off into the sky, which is just crazy when you think about it. But it scared the hell out of me. And the leprechauns themselves, they're not as insane and and feral and beastie as this leprechaun but they're they are tricksters and they are cruel and they do trap people and stuff like that which is like kind of scary when you think about it 
I never wanted to encounter a leprechaun. It didn't keep me from chasing rainbows, though. That's very sweet. I know. When I was a sweet, darling little princess of a kid who wanted to stab my grandma in the temple for not letting me chase rainbows. I would see rainbows and I would be like, oh my god, we have to go to the end of that rainbow. This is going to be gold. It's like right there, grandma. And she'd be like, no. And she'd try to explain to me how rainbows worked. <laughs> she's just sitting at her, staring at her, eyes full of tears, just like, when did the magic die in you, grandma? Yeah, pretty when much. When did it die? I remember at least like three or four times being just angry, like angry at her for not allowing me to go and find the end of this rainbow. Well, there's a certain aspect of being a child where believing in magic and fantasy creatures is not only fun, but necessary. And she was trying to kill it kill it in you the child in you she was trying to stab it in the temple it she was and and it was amazing to me now thinking back at how angry i was those were probably (laughs) the only times i was ever really truly angry with an adult kid rage is a little inscrutable yeah it truly is kids being inscrutable i had deleted from my memory the young child actor in this I don't remember the name of the character or the kid's name or anything. See, it's I'm already being already erased. Starting to delete him <laughs> to the point that the whole end of the movie was slightly altered in my memory to remove this child from the film. That's very interesting. Revisionist history. Such a comfort, isn't it, Lydia? It is a comfort. What are you afraid of? I just hate children. <laughs> I know I know you do. Uh I often forget that this kid is not only in this film, but plays a major role in this movie. If you were to ask me to describe the Leprechaun film, I would say Jennifer Aniston and Warwick Davis. And, you know, there's a heartthrobby guy in it that looks like he's related to Kevin Bacon. And I pretty much omit Stoogie old Ozzy and Dennis the fucking Menace. I remember Stoogie Ozzy because I think of him as a Jordy Verrill. He is kind of, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that That is definitely what he's doing. I remember that because I remembered someone ate a coin, but I didn't remember this child being his like sidekick and keeper, as it were. Very annoying. I, I, I really, really dislike that kid in this movie. And it brings the movie down a lot. But Mm. then I get so much leprechaun. Yeah. Speaking of inscrutable, your taste in horror movies, I can never really quite put a pin on. Sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I will think to myself, oh man, Lydia is going to love this. And we've even picked movies for the show. Sorry, I've suggested movies for the show and I toss it to Lids. And I just get this blank expression back. Why, Wes? Why? And then I think to myself, wow, I really misread that. I thought, if nothing else, that this would be something that you would really like and you don't. And so we don't end up doing it. Not If I made a fuss, we would do it. But I, I just don't make a fuss. But then there's other stuff where I think, oh, man, Lydia's not going to fucking ever want to touch this movie with a 10-foot pole. And then you suggest it, which is us doing Leprechaun right now. It was. I had a feeling that you might enjoy Leprechaun. That's um. very sweet. And you do make suggestions where you, I, I have a feeling... It's kind of like, well, this one's for Wes. Like, we haven't done a Wes movie for a while, so. Partially, and I wanted to do this last year. In fact, if I would have done Leprechaun last year for St. Patrick's Day, we'd be doing Shrooms right now, which Mm. is a little more in line with my taste as far as horror films go. But maybe next year we'll hit up Shrooms. Maybe, maybe next year. We did Maniac Cop last year, I think, for our St. Patrick's Day one. And that's a very 
big West pick because that's like slashers and Bruce Campbell and all that good stuff. This film, much like a lot of films that we've covered on the show, is occupies a space of being a slasher, kind of, but also occupies a space of taking a holiday, making it horror, and then taking a figure of horror, much like you could take Santa Claus, much like you can take uh, Valentine's Day or anything like that, and then turn it on its head and make it gruesome and make it dangerous. This film, not necessarily cashing in on a slasher craze or anything like that. By 1993, the official slasher boom was dead in the water and all the long the tooth horror franchises were pretty much out or at this point so unrecognizably bad in a lot of people's opinions. that Everyone was going to space. Yeah, exactly. Not that we don't have weapon space, but everyone was going to space by this point. Exactly. Now... This type of horror uh, seems a little late in the game, but also there's an aspect that seems so 90s about it. But you were often, you were also saying that aesthetically, you were noticing a lot of things that were reminding you of the 1980s. If someone had told me that this film was filmed seven years before it was released, I wouldn't disbelieve them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because of things like the way that Jennifer Aniston's character is carrying herself, the things that she's wearing, the things that they're saying, the mindset of the characters how it almost has this Ernest P. Worrell kind of yeah. Ernest goes to camp mentality or I guess Ernest scares stupid if we're gonna keep it horror <laughs> Miak. I've never watched it Ernest scares oh, okay. stupid never so mind it's then. totally lost to me not unlike a lot of references yeah it seemed very very steep in this like 80s horror comedy aesthetic the things that Jennifer Aniston's character is saying the things that she's doing the things that she's wearing the, th- the way that a lot of them are acting like being being a Kevin Bacon the second sort of thing, uh, a very young Kevin Bacon at that. So like it seems that they're pulling so much from eighties horror. It's like somebody who wrote this hadn't watched a horror movie for ten years, really, and it was just really to me solidified in nineteen eighty five as opposed to nineteen ninety three. And you you are uh, it's completely understandable that you would think that. I would. I genuinely thought that this film, and before I looked it up, I was like, oh, 90, 1991, something like that. I mean, I was giving it, I knew it was in the 90s, but I wasn't exactly sure what the year was. But I think it is a combination of things. Not only when you are moving from one decade to another, there is there is a crossover period in which there are hints of stuff from the 1980s. Obviously, fashion isn't going to change that much, obviously, the way that people do their hair, et cetera, is not going to change. And especially since if you're not doing the the hair braids and the giant earrings and the big teased bangs, there were people in the 80s that didn't have that hair too, right? What? I mean... <laughs> I did not know them. <laughs> Me yeah. either. But Me you either. did point out something very important there about Jennifer Aniston's character. And we're picking on her quite a lot because she is the figurehead of this film aside from Warwick Davis mm-hmm. as the leprechaun. There was that transition into the grunge era because I was like, this is a year before Kurt Cobain died. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a very different world as far as I remember it. Mm-hmm. We were done with bejazzled jean jackets. We were done with crimping our bleach blonde hair by mm-hmm. this point. Um, but you're, and you're right, she was. She didn't have crimpy hair. She wasn't wearing multicolored paper clips as earrings and things like that. She wasn't Punky Brewster, yeah, necessarily. <laughs> but like. It was transitioning into, like, mixing that 80s aesthetic of uh, hodgepodge jean shorts with a black leather jacket. Mm -hmm. So there was that sort of blend of aesthetic going on. Mm -hmm. But I was so 
like assaulted by the 80s-ness of it all mm-hmm. and her LA gear shoes and her bright red mobile phone and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that there's there's also something uh, very 90s about this, this burgeoning LA culture, which, you know, she's a vegetarian. She has high class taste. She wants Evian and, and, and watercress salad. She is, a, a, I guess, at that point, a fourth wave feminist. And, and so she has these personality quirks where somebody who watching this from LA would just roll their eyes and be like, Oh my God, that's so LA that they're all like that there. And in a mocking tone, because you have other characters biting at, Oh, you're a vegetarian yet. What about these rubber shoes? Where do you think these come from? And, or, or leather or, or et cetera. And, and, uh, you know, like what's with this feminist mumbo jumbo? You're equal yet you're not afraid of this house yet you are afraid of this house. That's all I'm saying. So there's, there, there seems to be a, a conscious effort on the writer's part to say that the, the, the changes, the, the sweeping changes socially that were starting in the early 1990s was an object of ridicule for someone who was not part of that culture. And, and so like that to me is like the most nineties aspect about it. Not only that, but Ozzy's shirt with like the paint brushes, that's very early nineties to me, but the, the grunge movement really, I genuinely feel as if there was this other aspect of it where it was neon clothes and, and, and shit that still hadn't totally faded out because that's when I, it was in the early nineties for me, I definitely had clothes like these kids were dressed in and shit like that. Uh, and a lot of it would have just been like leftover styles from the late eighties before everyone, you know, before I, I changed to black t-shirts and flannel, which I a hundred percent did. And, and still sometimes wear, which freaks me out. Sometimes the eighties have come back quote unquote, because <laughs> it's like, they never left the horrible things yeah. that are left over from that generation. What people are really clinching on to in a hipster sort of way yeah. now, which oh, is yeah. just, it never fucking left. We haven't had time for it to come back. Yeah. Let it leave for a while first, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of leave for a while first, we have only very little post-mortem conversation because there were things about Beloved that we both wanted to talk about but have subsequently forgotten because we didn't <laughs> write them down through the week. So I did want to just bring up I covered Into Pain Freak on Typical Books and I have the James Newman uh, short novelette Odd Man Out coming up on Typical Books. And if you notice some of the channels that I follow on my on my YouTube, and I do retweet from time to time. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice I will share some things coming up from our friend Andy Negative, mm. who we'll have to thank again and again for our opening and closing music from Patron Saint of Plagues. But he now has a, a new band, Quinzel. But he also has a solo project finally hitting the airwaves as it were but right now it's hitting the youtube waves because he has a video out his debut single from his new project which is a symphonic punk project that'll be hitting a sometime mid-may late may uh entitled sos from andy negative so definitely check that out check out the video for what one singular multi-instrumentalist singer songwriter can do just of his own devices sure it took him five years for this project to come out but i mean a lot of great albums do take a long time so i'm very very excited to see that so congratulations to andy for hitting this debut milestone and pretty soon we'll all have an album in our hands so very Mm -hmm. very pleased about that that's exciting yeah but i just can't remember what we had to say about beloved i can't remember either i know that i know every major point that i wanted to make about that film we had made so 
I, I think that it, it was kind of one of those things that, oh, if I had thought to mention cer- a certain aspect of it, I would have been happy. But you know what? If I ever think of it again, I will bring it up. I will say that just for you guys that are interested, if you want to get in on the ground level, since we're talking about just like stuff coming out, uh, Princeless is officially available on Comixology. Uh, for $2.99, you can get uh, the first issue, and then every month there's going to be a subsequent issue. The first issue that's been debuted, my story is not part of it, but if you want to, you know, see uh, see what's going on in the Princess Universe, see what these stories are about, uh, you can get it digitally there. At the end uh, of the release schedule of all of the books on Comixology, there will be an official uh, trade paperback edition getting released into stores that you can buy. So you can have a physical copy if you're a physical person. That's cool. That's cool. We are all physical people. And if you're a physical person in like romance stories, Elusinora has its uh, official debut. That's the uh, romance anthology that I'm a, I had a story in. Comes out March 4th. And I'll be tweeting stuff about that too. Because mm-hmm. we're, all, we're all physical people. We're all physical. It just sounded creepier when you said it. <laughs> Everything does. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Also, uh, we did get a question on Twitter from our good friend Thomas, who's always a uh, very active. And he had asked us a question. We didn't answer it online. I didn't even ask you about it. I didn't text it. Hey, did you see that thing? Or I didn't even reply to it in any way, shape, or form. I feel kind of bad. But I thought we would answer it on the show. And I don't really know if I have a good answer. But his question was basically, what is your favorite opening sequence from a horror film? And I was taking that as a pre credit sequence. And any sequence that happens, and then you get a title treatment. That was basically what he was going for, I think. Halloween, just because, (laughs) I mean, it is the best opening scene in any horror film really ever, and it's often mocked, aped, homaged, and alluded to, even Mm -hmm. midstream through other films, you'll say often, this is like the opening of Halloween. Any killer point of view behind a mask, right? Mm -hmm. That is such a classic, and it seems like a cop-out, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it almost does. That's what I was thinking about it, because I was thinking... To me, what is my favorite intro, it wouldn't be anything fucking surprising. My first thought was Halloween. My second thought was Friday the 13th. And 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 why wouldn't I think about two campers about to get down? All of a sudden, they get freaking murdered. And then the title treatment breaks through glass. Oh, my God. Like, that to me is... Ooh, that is like a a, a perfectly brewed cup of tea. That just goes down... <laughs> That just goes down so fucking smooth. I can think about more modern stuff, even modern late 90s. I mean, Ghost Ship, the intro, the intro to that movie seems to be the only reason why that movie fucking exists. Yeah, I'm pretty is, much. Is to watch everyone get fucking cut in half by that cable. I think that's really fucking cool. I'd have to say, though, like, as much as I am enchanted by the opening sequence of, of Halloween... And how much it sticks in my memory and how much I just love it when it comes on. Mm -hmm. In recent memory, the past, say, even 10 years, the one that sticks out the absolute most is Pieces of Talent. There is so very brutal. And it does what the opening sequence of a horror film is reportedly supposed to do, is set you up for the amount of brutality that you're in store for. Mm -hmm. And that does, well, there's 10 times more insane brutal scenes in that but it is one of the most brutal openings that i can remember and it's very visceral and very real and i think that's the thing that scared me the most about it and like i use scare in scare quotes if you will because it 
I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the reality. I didn't expect it to go on because it goes on for quite some time. And it's basically a woman being chased and brutalized. Very unsettling and very well done. And it introduces you to the main character and their psyche just brilliantly. And I really enjoyed that. So that's my number one favorite opening scene is in Pieces of Talent. And followed on Heat Seals with It Follows. Yeah, you had mentioned that when we were talking about it before we recorded. A lot of people would would probably think of It Follows, too, just because it was quite shocking to see that body twisted on the beach mm-hmm, the way that it mm-hmm. was. And it, and it really gives you this idea that uh, what's following her? what What is going on? What is this thing that mm-hmm. she seems to be able to see but can't see? Is it a monster? Is it a ghost? I had no idea. I watched It Follows on a recommendation from a friend. And I literally, he said, Wes, come on. You like horror movies. Everyone's talking about this fucking movie. You need to watch this movie. Good enough for me. I literally went to the store the next day and I picked it up. And I had no idea what to expect. And I fucking loved it. But like that opening sequence is really powerful stuff. One thing that I think all these openings have in common is that they answer one great big question. Is what am I in store for? Mm -hmm. And maybe even a big question like, well, who is the killer? Well, now I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or what does this killer do? This is what they do. Mm -hmm. But it poses 10 little ones, 10 little subtle questions all at once at the same time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And especially with the thing that's so effective about the beginning of It Follows is the the fact that you don't need to, the entire film, you think to yourself, what's this thing going to do when it catches her? What's it do? Um, And, uh, and, uh, that answers that question. And so you know what's in store for this woman. So I'm going to almost kind of cheat a little bit because it's not going to be a surprise to anybody. The opening sequence uh, that I love best of all, now that we've just been talking, is Ringu. I can't pick of anything I love more than just this adorable conversation between two high school girls that is so effectively drawn out. And then it ends in death. And we don't know what happened we don't know anything about sadako we only learn what this story is and it results in a bizarre death and even in the remake it's also super effective because the the added grotesqueness of the way that the people die in the remake uh, as opposed to the, the Japanese version, which is just a heart attack, whereas like the, the in the remake, you're like you're not really sure what she's doing to them, but their faces are all twisted yeah, up. Yeah, like stretchy ghost face almost. Yeah, 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 very cool. So I'm going with that. Yeah, but there's lots of things like like Reanimator. I fucking love that intro with that dude with his fucking like face exploding and shit like that. That's a kick him in the balls like gory. This is a t- level of violence that is going to be in in the, in this movie, but it's also rubbery and goofy, which I like. Rubbery and goofy. Thank you, Thomas. And he even apologized for being like off Twitter as often as he's been, but he's been doing shows. He's a comedian. You can check him out, Thomas Nichols. Um, so he's been busy. We've all been busy. We're very busy, Thomas. but this is good. 2018. A lot of stuff. Got a, got a lot of plates spinning, you and I. Yes. And Thomas. We definitely do. We definitely do. And there's been a lot of films coming out. So we're going to hopefully get into some, maybe not new, new films, but I've already come up with one that's at least within the last year, a film that was at least released in the last year. Mm. But for now, we're going to be stuck in The Leprechaun. The Leprechaun. We're going to be in the 90s for a, a wee tad, a wee tad before we get out. But The Leprechaun, yeah. What is this fucking movie even about anyways, Lydia? It is about how you absolutely do not fuck with creatures older than you could ever imagine. You do not steal 
gold. You don't steal, for one. Yeah. But they didn't technically steal. They didn't know that that was stolen. That's true. Really? But the, the leprechaun is indiscriminate. He doesn't care how you have his gold. I don't even think he'll sit there and listen to you long enough. No, he won't. And he's got rhymes to explain exactly what he's about. <laughs> if you steal his gold, you won't live through the night. Simple as that. There was a point in my life where I, I'm thinking about it more and more. Uh, uh, I really liked comedy when I was a kid. Like, I really, really liked comedy. I really liked being funny. And I really liked things that I thought could make you funny if I just would remember them. This is probably why I remember so many movie lines and shit like that. Because, and what I tell people nowadays as an adult, a very sad adult that that just uh, quotes things endlessly is i'm not funny i'm not a funny person i remember things that are funny and and that is and i basically am a fucking like talk boy so what i what drew to this franchise to me as a kid was the limericks was the rhymes i thought that was fucking so funny and 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 it wasn't especially like the dirty limericks and shit because like i i don't know if i mentioned this earlier but I was more familiar with Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun in Las Vegas. That was the movie that was, I was a little older when that movie came out. In, uh, you know, when this movie came out, I was like nine. So I wasn't really watching a whole lot of horror. Well, I was, but not really. And, and so when, when Leprechaun in Las Vegas came out and it was on the movie network, I watched it repeatedly. And those limericks that he had, that he was saying, I fucking said them all the time. And, and, and doing it in like the funny accent and shit like that. But going back to this movie, you would think, and I even had this this perception in my head about this film where I thought, oh, yeah, the first one's a lot more serious. No. I think it's a little bit more serious. Um, I had also thought that it was a little darker as well. And I'd also but I'd also deleted an entire character. <laughs> you know what? Without memory. that kid, it would have been a lot darker. It would have been. I can't stand that fucking kid. Um, no, and no. I hate horror comedy. I hate comedy. Mm. I, like, I really don't like comedy. I'm so sorry, Thomas, but I fucking hate comedy. Yeah, this is not a mystery, though. Um, no, yeah, but this you're... gets a pass because of the limericks. Mm -hmm. It's not the limericks that make it mirthful to me. The, the limericks make it even creepier. Yeah. And the, the rare times that Warwick Davis drops most of his accent and talks like a very almost cold-blooded killer, which he does from time to time in, in the character of the leprechaun, it reminds you that he isn't all about the jokes and the limericks. He's there to get his gold and kill you. Or kill you and get his gold. It doesn't matter what order. It's really true. There there's this there's this performance aspect of of this leprechaun character that I think when people think about wisecracking horror characters, obviously you think of characters like Freddy Krueger. Um, we'll be doing uh, Wishmaster later, and that's another character that is pretty chatty when it comes to being a murderer. And a lot of other characters tried to ape that idea to because that's because it, when Freddy Krueger was making all the money in the world, they 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 leaned on that heavily in that franchise. But you were still dealing with like a weird thing where you were trying to add something to a pre-existing. thing. It's why people sort of reject later Hellraiser movies when Pinhead's a little bit chattier and he's saying less things that are scary and horrific and kind of not really doing one-liners because i wouldn't give him that but like he gets close to one-liner territory mm, it's getting close yes so but the leprechaun he was crafted like like a fucking phoenix from the ashes to be this thing it's a phenom it works with this character and it doesn't come off as obnoxious 
Because this was how the character was originally. He's a fucking leprechaun. What do you expect? You know, you expect limericks. If he didn't have limericks, if they would have really solidified it in grotesque horror, dark horror, no Mm -hmm. comedy whatsoever, it would have been somewhat unsettling. And you might have walked away from it just wishing that he had a few limericks. Or there was a joke about tea. Or he said fiddle dee dee just once. Yeah, like I think if this was like a Guillermo del Toro movie, like you would end up with almost like a thin man type leprechaun, just like this weird thing that over the years had been perverted into this idea. Or a clown. Uh, that film clown like that we watch yeah, yeah like, like this idea about like over the years we have changed what this thing is culturally but originally it's this fucking horrific bloodthirsty demon and shit so you could have that angle on the leprechaun nope they are just like buckles hats fucking stripy socks stripy socks they are the pipe drinks tea <laughs> says fiddle dd says fiddle dd and Loves to shine shoes. He's a cobbler. Well, of course. He's a leprechaun. He's a leprechaun. (laughs) Which is so ridiculous. And I love it. I do love it. But he's also, at the same time, fucking grotesque. He looks every single one of those 600 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that he is. And his teeth are vile. And he bites with those horrible teeth. He has a horrible stare and almost Mm -hmm. a jaundiced glare. I don't like looking at his face. And I can see why in Wayne's World, the only bit that I remember is when (laughs) they are scaring one another with the leprechaun thing. And and Wayne has a flashlight under his face and keeps saying the leprechaun and scaring Garth because the the visage of this leprechaun mm-hmm. is terrifying and 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 i really don't know if the makeup for the leprechaun gets credited enough but i mean that is an active that is an active makeup construct i mean warwick davis is fucking acting his ass off oh, totally. in, in this movie it it is he is has full facial movement uh this is an this is a guy that's running around constantly and I mean, like the makeup never looks anything but impeccable. Like it looks great. The the things hanging off of this movie are not all that great. But Warwick Davis's performance, and I th- like that's what carries this movie, obviously, and that's what should carry this movie. I mean, I don't give a fuck about like Jennifer Anderson and her collection of slack jawed idiots, but I do want to see the leprechaun and even the special effects like i fucking the palette of greens looks so fucking good to me i just really like a lot about this movie to be fair to get to that point you gotta sit through parts that i am not fucking wild about oh no paint in the house you're not into paint in the house so this movie's opening sequence interestingly enough talking about opening sequence of, of horror films Pretty effective. Oh, I like fuck. it. And it's mostly what I remember the most about the leprechaun. When someone says leprechaun, I think of the way that his face looks half shadowed, the the magical powers that he does have, especially when he's stronger and has his gold handy, the, you know, violent revenge that he has in mind the minute his gold is stolen. Like all of the, that opening sequence is very, very effective. You're right. It's good. And I think that there's something to be said about the fact that the the Leprechaun is cast in deep shadow in most of these sequences. They're trying to not really show as much of him, especially the face. That seems to be what they're hinging on hiding. But also, you you instantly craft a story about an impoverished farm family or a husband and wife from Ireland. It's not entirely clear how... The leprechaun ended up in Houston or wherever they are. 
then it's not entirely clear how Danny got the gold or how he got the four leaf gold. There's a clover patch that grows outside of his property. So that's kind of explained. But you don't really need all that information. What you do need to know is that the leprechaun has a fucking bloodlust to get his gold back. And this sets a lot of the ground rules for what this character is going to be. It demonstrates uh, that he has some kind of teleportation ability. It seems to be in a weakened state at this point, but he can still pop into places that would seem to be impossible for him to get into instantaneously. He has the power to mimic. Uh, He's a very talented mimic. He can mimic anyone's voice. He, uh, he can he can be a child. He can be he can mimic your voice if he's only heard you speak three fucking sentences. Yeah, and that's one of his creepier talents that mm-hmm. I like the most. And there's a really good shot of him. It's almost like 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 a, I don't want to like lessen it to anybody if you don't find these movies very good, but it's almost like a ghoulie shot where like fucking you open up the briefcase and you just see his eyes sitting there. It really reminds me of oh my god, it could be like ghoulies, but uh, especially ghoulies too. Very good movie. People check it out. Uh, but. It also shows that this thing will fucking kill, has the ability to kill, has the desire to kill, and really likes killing. Really, really likes killing and likes to make light of it and likes to shove it in your face. If he's just killed your wife, he's going to grab that tea tray, that tea service, and bring you a cup of tea while mimicking her voice. And her dead body is laying there for all to see. And it's very clear what has just happened. But he's like, it's like a psychopathic fucking tendency to rub your face in what he's just done and make jokes of it. Yeah, and I think in a way, in a way, horror fans respond to this so much because there is an aspect of having that Schadenfreude that we just eat up. We just eat up, like to 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 look at a character, to enjoy life that much, to enjoy the, the things that are so abhorrent to 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 society about murder and mayhem and 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 that sadistic quality, but just having the best time ever mm-hmm. doing it it's hard not to fucking crack a smile because it's that sort of subversive quality in him that we all have to varying degrees inside of ourselves when bad things happen to people because you we could easily say oh, i shouldn't have fucking taken it you didn't take his gold he would never bother you yeah true and it's it's kind of funny because you you know he just got back off of a, a long journey from wherever to wherever to retrieve his gold and what more would you like than a nice cup of tea Mm. it's a shame someone had to die from to get it but look now he's got tea and part of you is thinking well well, at least he's got tea now and he even (laughs) says i've got tea basically so i i do enjoy that and it does um kind of joke around with the whole irish aspects of his character Mm -hmm. and the irish homestead that he is now infiltrated to retrieve his gold um, because they are a, a fairly stout Irish family mm-hmm. who hasn't been immigrated for very, very long to the point they still very much have their accents. They still have all like an Irish farm home life here mm-hmm. while they're in the U.S. Um, and they still have a tea service, which yeah. is wonderful. And she still makes a mighty fine cup of tea, mm. according to the leprechaun who's standing over her dead body drinking the tea. And why would he lie? He wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't have nothing to gain from that. And who would know better than a leprechaun? That's true. I would trust a leprechaun with judging my tea, uh, if I had the opportunity. But 
then flash forward to some things you don't like so much. Sorry to like talk about the opening sequence for like 15 minutes, but like we really are getting into a territory which is like, ugh. So well, ba- yeah, 10 years later, 10 years nothing later, good happens 10 years later. And no, and, 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 and I understand that the, the, you have this weird aspect of we want to jump forward. I don't know if it's necessary, but like the skip in time is not my issue. The issue is getting to meet all of these weird characters that seem like they're more at home in a sitcom. And I don't know if that's just because Jennifer Aniston is in it and I just associate her with Rachel, who the fuck doesn't. But but uh, basically what ends up happening is the leprechaun gets trapped in a crate and there's a four-leaf clover on top of it. The, this is his kryptonite, his garlic or uh, cross to bear, if you will. Uh, and And so he just is in a hibernative state this entire time and a family a father and a daughter have bought this house oh my favorite fucking sequence uh like where they're walking around the house like they've never fucking been there before jennifer anderson complaining she is she is an la spoiled brat stereotype that is really what they're trying to portray for this character and then she's going to be introduced to these fucking house painters that i mean listen i don't know i've had friends that have painted houses I've painted in my time. I've painted in my time too. But but I don't understand why you would hire people and then all of a sudden they're like, what are they, your friends? Like they're fucking just hanging out all day and helping you clean up the house. And and not only that, but they are these weird types of character. You just have these stock, goofy, hillbilly guy with his fucking smart alecky 10-year-old Dennis the Menace slash Bart Simpson fucking 90s character complete with fucking baseball hat and slingshot i cannot stand this kid and 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 then you just have like generic good-looking dude no sleeves just fucking walking around with his hot hair and wielding a gun and they all just nothing they say is interesting and every fucking time that they spend with Aussie and that little kid. It just reminds me of like the worst parts of lost in space where like fucking bill Moomy was hanging around with (laughs) fucking old guy no it makes you want to think they're all disposable and especially that kid it makes you all want to see them meet a a very quick and disastrous end at the hands of the very capable hands of the leprechaun that you know is very brutal feral and is about to escape because he's waking up and they're showing Mm -hmm. his face still half in shadow he hears them milling about upstairs once he's awakened but he's still trapped of course Mm -hmm. but None of them fucking die. Spoiler alert. None of them fucking die. I want them to die pretty badly. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. What I don't like, too, is that they do, for all their simplicity, they do right away backpedal on things they say, where they're saying that they can't have the father help them paint because it it goes against their liability insurance. But right away, the girl's in there, like Mm -hmm. a dirty shirt, as the kids say painting away with Kevin Bacon the second. <laughs> the, the improper Kevin Bacon clone. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And I, I get the idea is that Jennifer Aniston's character, she hates the house. She hates being there because it's, it's a shitty house. It's full of cobwebs. That was the thing. I was like, someone sold you this house like this? Like, did no one think to like, just take a broom and like sweep away some of the ancient cobwebs that have been hanging there for, a century, it seems like, not just 10 years. Well, they've never seen this house. They've been there an hour and they're having it painted. None of it makes sense. And and, and you uh, want to say, oh, let's all suspend disbelief and just enjoy the movie. I guess. But like when when it's so fucking bad and so shitty, so shittily um, cobbled together, 
right? And not only that, but I hate the fucking but blue and red primary colors that they're painting this fucking house. Yeah, whose whose idea is that? I'd and, love to see someone remake Leprechaun. I really, it, really would. Yeah, you could really remake Leprechaun and and do. You can just keep even like bring back Warwick Davis, but just like take out this sequence because honestly, it was really making me like not enjoy the film up until uh, Warwick Davis really shows up. And also, the thing that I think that this movie really lacks on is is guts to fucking. You should kill. You should kill off some of these like characters. Kid? Like first oh, of all, yeah, if, this, if they if if the Leprechaun killed that kid. I would I would say this is one of my top movies of all time. That's fucking amazing Truly. that it had the balls to kill that kid. But I it's like Ozzy's not even killed. Like I, I like by by Leprechaun three, Warwick Davis is literally punching his hand through people's stomach. Yeah. To get out gold. Uh, from- High fives, guy. Yeah. But no, at this point too, you're also as a horror fan expecting you, you you've got like hints of the crate from mm-hmm. Creep Show. You've got hints of Ghoulies. You got hints of way more disasters you have hints of like a link for crying out loud mm. you know you you think you know how brutal he can be you know how relentless he is you know that his gold is still on the property you know that he's an old fucking cunt hair from getting out of that crate but you have to deal with like this hokey jokey dennis the menace bar simpsons mashup and jordy verrill and not even a fun jordy verrill Mm. And Kevin Bacon and Jennifer Aniston, who, if anyone's curious, her hair is kind of dry on the dry side in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is like her film debut, though. So you got to give her, you know, a little bit of a pass. Yeah. She hasn't met her hairdresser yet. Um, it is all cut one length, save feathered bangs. It's not a bad haircut. And her hair color is about the same without the golden highlights that we've come to expect from a future Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. as Rachel. Just because the Rachel is such a popular and famous haircut. It really is. And I didn't even know that it had a name until way after the fact. Someone said, this this is the Rachel. I'm like, the Rachel? It is the Rachel. Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy um, to have a whole hairstyle just for you. I I suppose, like, one of the things that I find the most glaring, just speaking of the fact that Jennifer Aniston, her character's name is Tori, by the way. It's funny because she's basically playing the same character that she played on Friends for, like, ten years. It's, it's, It's the exact sort of, like, spoiled rich girl type thing everything from the fucking evian and the the watercrest salad and shit it's all exactly the same i was like that's pretty funny it's like not exactly getting cast uh, uh, against type and always about the men chasing men because oh she shows up in like this really cute dress and little tiny pumps and to impress this guy and probably to show she's a little more capable she changes into high top sneakers and jean shorts and that's like to- thoroughly, totally to impress this guy and yeah, make and, herself seem capable. And it's so weird because I, I, I really hate that aspect of this character. I hate the fact that the second she sees this guy who's fucking not even that good looking is it, like all of a sudden she's, I want to learn how to paint and I want to fucking like let this guy caress my legs and shit, even though that doesn't make any sense. Those were driving me crazy too about these little inconsistencies in the narrative and, you know, Ozzy going downstairs and, and then seeing this leprechaun getting the four-leaf clover off of the crate. Uh, it hadn't lost its power yet since, uh, even though it was like a little brown, like, 
dried up thing at this point. But the leprechaun still couldn't get out of the crate. Moves that because he'd lured him downstairs with uh, singing, singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Yeah. And I would have loved if Ozzy would have mentioned, because he, he runs upstairs after saying like, oh my God, there's a leprechaun, guys. Mm-hmm. And no one believes him, of course. But if he would have said, yeah, I thought there was a kid in this crate. Yeah. Because it was singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. They might have had a little more veracity to his story other than just like, oh my God, it's all leprechaun. Because he's often talked about ghosts and ufos and seeing creatures because Mm -hmm. he's a little simple-minded yeah and they really lean on that fucking heavily in this uh, film the the character i i I get it like you're gonna put this aspect into the character i don't understand why he needs to be simple-minded but he's got this like lawnmower man like at least he's not a magical um savant so he does have an iq lower than 80 let's say yeah that's really all that's special about ozzy yeah, it's uh, it, it it it's an aspect of the character, but again, like they see a rat in the basement, and they're like, "Oh, it's just a rat." I was like, "Why would you think that?" Look at the crate; the crate has been smashed. Um, he and again, he's not offering enough information. It's bad enough that the next time it's it's uh, Tori's own father who doesn't believe her because she feels something caressing her her legs. Because I guess the leprechaun's a leg man, and from that point, she thinks it's her new boyfriend or this guy that she likes who's underneath the car rubbing yeah, so her legs this guy who was momentarily standing behind her as all of a sudden snuck around crawled under the truck and is crossing your legs yeah as his big come on yeah and she's like oh oh my god she's so into it and i can't fucking stand it but all of a sudden they think it's a cat because now the leprechaun is making cat noises and the father a strange cat that he doesn't know is in a stump and he's going to like fucking reach his hand into it and gets his fucking hand bit. Leprechaun, very bitey. Very bitey. But I do, I do kind of cringe a little because there's nothing scarier to me than thinking there's an animal in a little hidey hole and somebody putting their <laughs> arm in there after the little animal. What do they expect is going to happen? Yeah, right? Yeah. But we do get a comical little glance when it shows after he's retracted his hand with a human sized bite mark in it, a very deep, festering <laughs> bite mark that's bleeding all over. We get the camera looks into the hole and we see the leprechaun being like, he, he, he. And I love that. It's so good. It's a little bit of a payback for all that fucking stupidity we've just endured, where we have like the three stooges painting the house. Yeah, basically. Basically. And they have like red and blue paint on their cheeks and stuff. Just, like, oh, just oh, like God. painted on their arms, just so. Like a Cheerio commercial made this film. <laughs> And that's not even foreshadowing to the serial incident later on, but... It is an incident, though. So they have to go to the hospital. They do. Because Dad's got this cat bite. This cat... (laughs) See, this is why I picked this movie, because it makes Wes chuckle. It really does. It really fucking does. Barney Rubble. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, It certainly fucking does, man. I, I can bow to the absurd... With the rest of them. I love stuff like this. I think that in in a way I would be uncomfortable if I picked this movie because I would really, really feel like I was making you sit through it. Like for real. And I don't like that feeling at all, which is why, you know, if I'm ever, uh, uh, you know, dating somebody or, or with someone who says that they don't like horror movies, like I do not make them sit down in front of them because... I don't like that feeling of forcing people to watch shit that I like. I'm much more comfortable. Fine, I'll just watch 
whatever dumb shit you want to watch. But and so like, but with you, it's even worse because like I want you to be like enthused about the show. Yeah, because we're recording a show. It's not yeah. like we're just like some people waste time watching films um, and like do things like watch rewatch old comedies, which is, like freaks me out that people even waste their time doing watching it once. But uh, for us to choose a horror comedy is tough because you can even see watching this a movie that I enjoy and have watched and did pick the differences in what makes us laugh mm-hmm. there's a the the part where the uh leprechaun goes through a fence <laughs> see this is the first interaction wes has where i am literally checking my phone you know yeah, yeah, yeah. well not quite but i i was waiting for that to be over because mm-hmm. it's not funny to me and it's just oh, like yeah. a waste of time but when the leprechaun is going back and forth at the end of a hallway on a skateboard I was I would say I'm in stitches. Yeah. Because I don't really reach that point of mirth. But it, it there was general mirth to be had. Mm. I love how general mirth to be had is possibly the most goth way you could say it was kind of funny. <laughs> like general mirth <laughs> sips tea. Well brewed tea, mind you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I I know I, I get what you're saying. Uh and I agree. And so that's how come I was very happy that you would pick this film. The The idea is that this leprechaun needs to find his gold. He wants his gold. He hungers for this gold at the, the end of the rainbow. His powers are fading. Yeah. He needs the gold to be empowered and will do anything to get it back. But he doesn't know, because how could he? He's been a crate for a decade, that Ozzy and Bart Simpson himself have fucking taken this gold that they found in a rusted out old truck. Ozzy has, in testing the gold, I suppose, in that way that you do in cartoons where you bite it. Because, I don't know, you're testing the softness to make sure that it's not like a different metal coated in gold paint or something. But he swallowed one of the coins. We find out there is supposed to be 100 coins exactly. Mm-hmm. So now there's 99 because one's in Ozzy's tummy. Mm-hmm. But the kid, like they rehide it. They rehide it in the well so that the adults don't do what adults do is take money away from people. Because you know how adults get, especially mm-hmm. with money. That's what this little Bart Simpson kid has to say. But uh, they do take one coin because they're going to take it into town and see how much it's worth. Mm-hmm. Now, a coin nowadays is worth about $1,300 per mm-hmm. coin. They get this assessed later on at this little gold and coin shop for about $500, depending on where it comes from and its mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Ozzy, of course, asks, well, what are the chances you think that this could have belonged to a leprechaun? Because it's the most serious moment that Ozzy has. Yeah. And it's adorable. Yeah, it's pretty adorable. I like that this town that doesn't look very large at all has a dedicated collector's coin shop. But we won't think about that too hard. What we have here now is an introduction of a tertiary character that can die and shall. What do you think? Of Death by Pogo Stick. Death by Pogo Stick, it's the thing I like the most about this death is that they slow motion a portion of it as the leprechaun is pogo sticking toward this coin guy that's on the floor. <laughs> um, that they slow motion that is priceless. Mm-hmm. They don't really show much. They show a bloody face and they, you can tell yeah. that he's being pogo sticked on. And there's yeah. a fun lip, limerick rhyme mm-hmm. to go along with this. Uh, he's... Pogo, pogo on his lungs or whatever. Yeah, I think it looks like he even pogoed on his face a couple of times. It's mm-hmm. just he got pogoed to death. It's interesting how this franchise changes over time, though. And uh, by the time we were at Leprechaun Three, I don't know if uh, what it, I don't know like two that well, but by three for sure, he's basically monkey paw wishing people to death. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they, he'll grant wishes for them and then they ask for wishes. And of course he gives you a deadly version of the wish. And, and that's how he does it because people keep grabbing his coins. When you have his coin, he'll grant you a wish and the wish turns out backwards. And this, he's just very bitey, very slashy and uh, pogo sticky. He's all about having fun. You yeah. know, and even says later on, you know, he is all about having fun and he has a lot of fun with this and he picks up some wheels because he got there on a tricycle, which isn't the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay, maybe it is, but I, I love seeing him on a tricycle. It is really, really fucking great. funny. I mean, he motors on that goddamn thing. Oh yeah, they do like sped up. It's almost like watching a fucking like Laurel and Hardy mm-hmm. short. Mm-hmm. It's all sped up and shit. And 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 then he's got himself like a fucking Barbie car. Yeah, which is awesome. Which is really awesome. But now he's you know he can drive fifty five. <laughs> which he'll take down the road and then get stopped by a cop and then you and you say to yourself oh okay here's another person for the leprechaun to die this cop gets it in probably the most mundane but in a lot of ways the most brutal way possible it is the most brutal way and this is the most like horror film proper yeah and when people would make fun of horror films this is the sort of thing like i wouldn't say leprechaun is what they're talking about because they're definitely talking about camp slashers when they make fun of horror films and say that they're formulaic or that it is just about body count or you know especially when it's like cut away and not show actual murder like with the pogo stick that like the things that people could make fun of lesser horror films for are apparent in this and this is another one of those scenes where it is just a very typical chase through the woods kind of horror scene. Yeah. A little foggy, dark lighting where you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, inexplicable lighting and inexplicable time because it got dark awfully quickly and it's going to get light awfully quickly later too, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. And um, from what I recall, leprechauns lose all their power in the daylight, but not this one, but whatever. We can play with rules the same way people play with vampire rules all the yep. time. The one thing that he did do in the pogo shop is he did quickly shine the shoes of that guy. And he shone the shoes. He all, he threatened to shine the shoes of Ozzy. I don't remember if he shines the cop's shoes, but he does give his head a little polish. He does give his head a little polish after he snaps his fucking neck like a twig. Uh, that's that's another inconsistency. The, the, the leprechaun goes from having the average strength of someone his size to being able to rip a car door off of its fucking hinges. So I it's don't really... It's leprechaun magic, man. Leprechaun it's magic. It's like scarecrow magic, but even more profound because it's coming from a guy who's like three foot high it's great and you just run the cop's shoes are already shiny so when you see the the cop getting out of the car he does have very shiny shoes so that could be like part of why the leprechaun has so much fun with him and even says that was fun and that's what you're thinking when you're watching this scene after it's dead and he's sitting there on top of the shoulders of this cop whose head he's just twisted almost clean off you're thinking wow that was a really fun scene and the leprechaun even says, wow, that was fun. Because <laughs> he is just all about having fun. He's mostly doing these things, I think, to tire out his victims because he is at a, a slight disadvantage without having so much power and being like half the size of most of his victims. And he is about having fun. He is about having fun. And it's also fun for us to watch because it's fun to watch this little guy fucking kill people. And again, doing it with such whimsy and uh, also Warwick Davis, like I said, acting his ass off, just really getting into the role. And you had told me a fun fact about the movie that it was originally supposed to be a little bit more serious, a little darker until Warwick Davis was hired on to play the titular character. And apparently his energy and comedy that he brought to it 
change the nature of the script. Which, of course, I read that and thought, you know, I call bullshit. It's a fucking movie about a leprechaun. I I could not see the first read through the script not having half of these limericks and and silliness and Mm -hmm. saying things like fiddle dee dee. And Mm -hmm. the the whole tea tray scene at the beginning, Mm -hmm. it's fucking hilarious. Like, how could you, how could anyone have delivered any of this? straight nobody could mm-hmm. sure yes warwick davis probably added laughs to this he probably yucked it up quite a bit <laughs> but you couldn't have this movie not be comedic mm. it's fucking ridiculous yeah and i think whatever instincts that were brought to it uh to make it to lean into the comedy was the right decision because i think if i were to if, if this were to be a more comedic version of this story i would actually find it a little strange because I would be more sitting back thinking, I can't believe how fucking serious they're taking this. You couldn't have buckly shoes or some shit like that. But you had mentioned vampires earlier and you're quite right. That OCD trickery that some vampires are afflicted with in certain stories about picking up toothpicks or picking up bits of rice or whatever the fuck that they're, they are have to pick up uh, the leprechaun needs to shine shoes if he sees shoes he's got to shine them which is wonderful because he does go back to the house they're all still in town he's going to go ransack the house looking for gold because now he's free right he's totally free they're out of the house he's going to ransack it he knows the gold is around he can feel it Mm -hmm. and he goes through all the cupboards and just throws all the cereal now if he were a vampire he would have freaked out because he would have had to pick up every (laughs) little grain of that puffed rice but uh he even encounters a familiar face he can the lucky charm scene but it's not lucky charms is it it's you it's lucky clovers lucky clovers yeah this that that is the scene that i think of with this fucking movie really yeah yeah when people say leprechaun i think of him eating lucky charms and spitting them out i think of him at the very beginning in his underground cave type place closing mm-hmm. the door magically and sealing it against like prying eyes and that the light shining in is rainbow colored (laughs) that's what i think of and how like deep underground trollish dark and scary a leprechaun really is but you think of him like scarfing handfuls of lucky charms and spitting them out because lucky charms are disgusting (laughs) throws the boxes on the floor shines all the shoes in the house he can't stop himself he has all the shoes in the whole house lined up on the table yeah it's pretty funny, pretty Keebler elfy, but I, I, I fucking, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Now, him knowing that the gold is somewhere on the property, but assuming that the people who are there living there are not living there. Like, the only person living there is Jennifer Anderson, and she's got her painter buddies that are all just hanging out with her at all fucking times now. They're going to restaurants together. They're fucking going through the house together. They're fucking cleaning up the house together. It's like, were they hired to also clean up the house? Like, I'm not saying, like, don't hang out with the help. I just think it's fucking weird. It's and- almost more of a 70s, 80s aesthetic, though, where it's almost like everyone's like, hey, man, you're gonna come paint my fence? Yeah, I want you to live here for a month. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. But again, like, that's where it seems like a sitcom like it's a very early premise like we hired these people to take care of that we hired these people to paint the house and all of a sudden they're living here now isn't this a funny comedy like that's the the show i guess that is so sad yeah it's so sad that it would work yeah Yeah, right you'd say that to an executive and then i was like watching sitcoms first couple of episodes and then go the last season and see like because the first couple of episodes of any sitcom is what was pitched in the room. That was how this fucking thing was sold. 
And then and then they go off the rails because that fucking premise can only work for like two or three episodes before everyone's fucking sick of it. Uh, so when you have uh, when you have them going back to the house, they they're still not on about this leprechaun until <laughs> her new boyfriend, her new love interest, <laughs> or whatever the fuck. For three hours, three hours, three hour relationship, like you do. Um, well, she just moved. She's got to. She's got to start dating the second you land. That's the other, like who is it, like I'm going to start dating or be interested in dating with someone when you're moving. It's the stress of moving. That's all you're fucking concentrated on. You're not concentrating like that guy's kind of cute. You're just like I hate this place. I'm dirty. I'm sweaty. Where's all my boxes? That's what you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to get the fucking dishes out. The cupboards are dirty. Fuck. Like you can't. What are you going to do? Anyway, so he falls <laughs> into a fucking. Bear trap, it's called. It looks a little small to be a bear trap to me. Looks more like like a squirrel trap or something. Yeah, really. But yeah. But, yeah. It hurts his leg. It doesn't break the bone. I don't think it would have broke the bone, but it, it's taken a chunk out of his leg, basically. Mm-hmm. Although he seems to be going into septic shock pretty quickly because <laughs> yeah. he's sweating. Very and sweaty. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking weird. It's weird. Very weird acting. Like They don't know how to act that I've had your leg trapped in a... In a bear trap yeah but. because first first he can't even walk and then by the it, like give it 20 more minutes in the movie and he's like you will forget that he was even fucking injured in the leg which is ridiculous but they do have a good interaction with the leprechaun so if there's any questions to be had about what they're dealing with they should be answered right here because a leprechaun quite clearly is a leprechaun he has stripy socks a little hat with a little buckle on it little buckly shoes and he's got like a little jacket and a little pipe. Yeah, he has a and, fucking leprechaun. And, and he doesn't look human. He starts asking them for his gold. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 he'll call himself a leprechaun a lot. It's not even, what's this ancient creature? For? He's like, hey, I'm a leprechaun. Yeah. Like he's just constantly he fucking you. telling you what he is. It's almost as if they weren't sure what the movie was going to be titled just yet. So let's just bring this home. I'm going to, I'm a leprechaun. All the time. When they get him back in the house, they still question it. Because Isaac's like, do you believe me now? Was that or was that not a leprechaun? Mm. And Jennifer Aniston is like, I don't want to talk about this right now. We have to get to the hospital. Yeah, there's no time to talk about the thing attacking the house right now. We need to leave the house and go to the hospital. It's a fucking leprechaun. Yeah, and they're going to do the old things about, well, we need to call for help. And Ozzy will do that. But he will specifically say a leprechaun's attacking. (laughs) Which is great, because we cut to the cop shop where they're like, yeah, Ozzy called again. What was it last week? UFOs? Well, this week it's a leprechaun. And they give him credit for originality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're not coming to help. Now, the next time that uh, Tori will try to use the phone, the phone will be dead. And uh, and that'll be the end of it. She seems to forget that later when she says that they need to call somebody. And then the little boy, Alex, I think it's Alex, uh will say the phone's dead. And it's, again, like that weird transference of information between characters. But then she remembers that she has a mobile phone. She pulls out a fucking brick. Yeah, it's like an old Motorola phone from the era. And it's red, which is kind of cool, which Mm -hmm. also is in line with her being like a very well-to-do L.A. brat Mm -hmm. that she has like a custom color. Yeah, she would have had like pretty much the newest type of mobile phone she's Mm -hmm. like my mobile (laughs) which is awesome because she dials the the police and gets at least according to them and her 
that they are under siege and they need an ambulance right away and that someone's being injured and then the battery dies <laughs> instantaneously so those things had like three hour battery life anyway so yeah yeah and that makes sense that she go to use it i'm surprised that she even had minutes you know that was- <laughs> everything was pay as you go back then was it really? Pretty much. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember being pay-as-you-go when I first got my first cell phone, but I remember I was a bit of an anomaly because I didn't use it that much. Anyway, that's not very interesting. It's probably like $5 a minute mm-hmm. with what she was using, but yeah. So the police are on their way. Well, our leprechaun, this is my favorite use of the fake voice thing. This is almost like as good as uh, like the scene in Terminator 2 where, where the T-1000 is, is pretending to be John Connor's uh, mother or whatever and like fucking I love that scene with the with the, the milk thing inside the, the the knife inside the guy's fucking face so good but it reminds me of that where it's the cop answering next and his dead body is sitting next in the squad car covered in blood too oh, yeah. so it is quite gory like they don't really scrimp on that when they can mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it definitely doesn't seem to be much of a focus it doesn't really get very violent up until towards the end again the rest of it it kind of has like the property of a fucking looney tunes cartoon i know i say that a lot but i really mean it this time like it it is fucking warner brothers everything from the the fence scene that you don't like although to me um the scenes like that in which the leprechaun by the way when tori makes the escape they they use the shoes to distract him. They're just basically throwing shoes at the leprechaun. Yeah, they take all the shoes in the whole house. And they're like, okay, you jump in the truck, Tori, go, go. We'll distract him. And they're mm-hmm. throwing shoes. And the leprechaun's like, I gotta shine him. I gotta shine him. Mm-hmm. It's fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah, and, and the reason why that they're doing this is they've just, they've realized through Ozzy remembering that Danny is not dead. This is a surprising bit of information in this film because... Listen, the way that that scene at the very beginning was acted out, that guy died. He died. I was pretty sure Dan O'Grady was dead, too. Yeah. But apparently he just had a stroke and he's in an old folks home. Yeah, that seems really weird to me. That seems almost as if there was a script change towards the end where they said, well, we need we need a library scene, kind of. Or we need another action beat. Or we need something. We need Tori to go somewhere. Let's do that. Unfortunately, yes. Because they could have really solved this whole four-leaf clover thing by having... They have a patch of four-leaf clover. Mm-hmm. And, and it's around the well, Fucking conveniently. glows so, green, for fuck's sake. If they would have just had the leprechaun go anywhere near there, he would have been like, oh shit, I can't go near there. Mm-hmm. Because there's a four-leaf clover. And they would have been like, oh yeah, you afraid of four-leaf clover, you little fucker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burn them in the cheeks. Yeah, pre-internet, pre-internet days, they can't look anything up and they don't have a library. The closest thing would have been, the coin guy would have been the best use of that character if he also had had knowledge of, oh, this? This is a shilling from this time. And, you know, legend says, like, he could have, like, given some information. That's not really what that character is there for. Uh, that character is just there to be part of the body count, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and let us know that in nineteen ninety three dollars, that each coin was worth about five hundred dollars plus. Yeah, five hundred dollars could be priceless if there was historical significance to the coins themselves. <laughs> but it, it, that is uh, that's the way that they're going to solve this. And apparently, because apparently uh, Dan's not dead; he's very much alive. But the whole scene is kind of. I'm not going to say superfluous because it has some of my favorite little beats in it. And it is it does mix things up. It changes locations. It does have locations. the leprechaun tailgating on roller skates behind the <laughs> truck that she's escaping in. What I like about this scene and the reason why it makes me laugh is because I love any sequence in which a seemingly 
the Leprechaun character, as whimsical and weird as he is, seems to be in control of the situation. He's got them cornered. He knows what he is. He has magic and powers abilities beyond these people's comprehension because they live in a world in which leprechauns don't exist and they never would have fucking ever thought about leprechauns. So to see, I love to see characters that are in control fuck up. And that's something that's not really present in a lot of horror, certainly not present in a lot of media. A lot of times they like to have characters show that they're in control and confident and, and uh, competent and they don't really make mistakes because they don't want to risk making a character seem less cool or something like that. In Japan, that's very prevalent in things like anime. Villains, heroes, all kinds of characters in anime oftentimes fuck up, oftentimes get into vaguely comedic situations just to alleviate a bit of narrative tension. Comic books, they'll do it too, but they're re- again, people are really scared to make certain characters look bad because, well, the second you make a character look bad, then no one likes them anymore. That's the mentality. This is the leprechaun having this idea of I'm going to tailgate this thing. This seems like a cool thing and I'm on roller skates, but the second she turns and he loses control, Warwick Davis really plays it as this like oh fuck fuck like and it comes off as as like a fucking like kid trying to do like a stunt and not really thinking it through and then going through a fence. And yeah, it's a little cartoon. Very Daffy Duck. It's very it's super Daffy Duck for sure. But that's why. It makes and you have me the exact laugh. cutout of the leprechaun. Oh where yeah. He went oh yeah. Defense, like a fucking cartoon. Oh yeah, for sure. And then when we get to this old folks' home, I mean, he's gonna get there first. He always does. Uh, the, the the leprechaun has this teleportation ability, and I fucking love the effect on this so much. I love the green, but I also love how it makes it almost seem like his nervous system shows up first. Yeah, you can almost see like a skeletal outline yeah. show up. And then he like shows that. up, and so you know, okay, this guy can teleport, and it seems like he can teleport a pretty significant distance mm-hmm. if he knows where he's going. Um, I don't know if it's every 100 feet or every whatever, but like he can teleport and, uh, and uh, traveling... But I, I feel like it's using his magic to do so. And that's how come he'll drive certain places when why waste your magic? Because it's also fun to drive, though. It that's, is, a, that's another aspect of him. Uh, he did make it from Ireland to Houston somehow. Yeah. Yeah, we're not exactly sure how, but like for all we know, he could have come on a boat. When he gets there, the Dan character is already on his deathbed. He's like fucking hanging out of a goddamn elevator shaft. Yeah, he's been like thrown down the elevator shaft. And yeah. when... Tori encounters Dan, who's and he's she's right away saying, like, we have the leprechaun, we need yeah. to know how to kill him, he's after his gold. And he's like, I'm not gonna tell you how to kill the leprechaun, and we realize it's the leprechaun yeah. that's masquerading as Dan, which is hilarious mm-hmm. and kind of terrifying because he's gone now quickly from smashing through a fence in a daffy duck manner to uh, you know, all the better to see you with my dear. Oh, yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. Wolf in sheep's clothing thing wolf and grandma's clothing wolf and dan's clothing as it were <laughs> so i do like that switch from you know comedy to to her horrific character right here luckily dan has just enough oomph left to tell tori how to kill the leprechaun they always do yeah luckily l- l- well luckily that he went through the elevator shaft when he did luckily that i was gonna call her rachel luckily <laughs> luckily that tori can figure out that this is the person she's going to talk to. And luckily, for all for all he knew, Dan was going to say something to her. He's like, oh, here's a random woman. He doesn't know who she is at all. 
And he's just like, I'm going to tell you how to kill the leprechaun. She could have been anybody. And and she would have just been like, oh, my God, this weird old man, like, just fucking died in front of me. And he was... He must be hallucinating. Yeah, he was talking about how to kill a leprechaun. Anyways, I'm going to go call the nurses and go home. And it is all really lucky. Yeah. You but... know what else is really lucky? What's that? A four-leaf clover. Oh, my God. Have you ever found a four-leaf clover IRL? No. Um, IRL means in real life for those who are not living on the internet. Um, <laughs> I've looked for them as a child. I have a four-leaf clover. Mm. We have a couple in our family. My grandfather, when he would find them, not that he was out there scouring the earth like for that was them. His thing. Yeah, if he'd like stumble upon them, because he spent time in the garden and stuff. Um, we had a few pressed into Bibles and books. I probably have one upstairs in one of my grandma's old books. But so I have them. That's probably why I don't have a leprechaun problem. I also don't have any gold, but. Mm. If I ever did, I would have that, you know, kryptonite to kill this leprechaun. It has to touch his skin. You have to take the four-leaf clover and touch his skin. Yeah. Now, you can get a plant that grows four-leaf clovers. If you have a leprechaun problem, if you're worried about leprechauns, if you're planning on stealing the gold from a leprechaun. Like, do you have any four-leaf clovers handy? I don't have any four-leaf clovers handy. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, I I like this idea of being like Vincent Price on The Last Man on Earth and and he's just like hanging garlic off the off this fucking front door, and he has to go make trips to go get new garlic when they've lost their pungent stench. But no, I I we had clover patches in the backyard at uh, Old Alta Vista Drive, but I never found a four leaf clover. Anytime when I thought I did, it would be one of those moments like that's in this movie where Ozzy finds a quote unquote four leaf clover, and he's oh. It's not a four-leaf clover because it's kind of hard to tell sometimes because of the way that the, the leaves are. But no, they uh, they have not found a four-leaf clover. But they just got to believe. Like Tinkerbell dying, you can save her by clapping real hard. Is that how – What I didn't know Tinkerbell died, but – Well, she almost dies. You can bring her back to life by clapping really hard. Cool. Just hope, hope, hope. hope just hope hope hope, 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 hope. That's the things you want to feed kids. Just hope and people get better. Uh, no, Disney, original Disney had the right, fucking right idea. No, you can exchange your life for someone else by by coercing a horrible banshee to shuffle you off this mortal, mortal coil by a headless coachman in a fucking black coach. Yes, older Disney did think clearly. But we do find a floor leaf clover, luckily, because mm. it's all about luck. Luck of the Irish, as mm. it were. All the while, like, we're having, like, they're trying to get out of the house and they're trying to, like, get this four-leaf clover. They're trying to, you know, keep distance between the gold and the leprechaun because they know where the gold is now. The Ozzy and the kid have let it out of the bag, but they've hid the bag in the well, mm. which is kind of cool that the four-leaf clovers are growing around the well. It's mm. kind of handy there. But. It's, not, it's not too shabby. When you hand the leprechaun this gold... He's fucking, he's not so bad. Nice. He's all Fiddle right. Dee dee. Looks like me gold. It smells like me gold. It tastes like me gold. Yeah, he's pretty happy. He's That's pretty happy. Takes. And then he's going to sit there and count his gold. Again, this guy's very OCD. With the shine in the shoes, counting the gold. He probably shines the gold and counts the shoes. Like he's- Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's into that thing. But, oh, wait. Ozzy... Like a fucking unattended child swallowed one of the shillings a long time ago. Um, not so long ago that he could poop it out, although that would be a fucking painful. But Meh. it's still in his He's system. A big guy, it's fine. He probably eats 
enough that his asshole stretched like times the size it's supposed to be. I think he could probably pass a coin without too much trouble. That said, they seem to have a pretty good rapport with the hospital. So they could probably just go on in there, hang out with her dad for a bit, have them rectally, you know, it's a rectal form body they need to have removed. Mm -hmm. It's some uh, KY jelly and forceps up there. It's fine. They would have had it out. Yeah, yeah, that's one way to handle it for sure. But Leprechaun's not shy. He probably would have been hanging out right there with the doctor. That's Being true. Like, it doesn't smell like gold. Oh God, it's not going to smell like his gold for long. Yeah, yeah, but but no, he doesn't. He, he, I'm surprised he doesn't just reach in there and get it because he would later. If this was a more villainous, angrier leprechaun, mm-hmm. although I would argue that he is going to, he's planning on cutting it out of that yeah. fucking guy's body with what? With what? His boot buckles. Yeah. I'm very fucking. You really happy do like that, that, don't you? Every aspect. It's why I like little Sam, our adorable little sack boy Sam from Trick or Treat. I love this weaponization of non-weaponized things. I mean, for God's sake, Sam has got a fucking razor-edged lollipop. A little pumpkin lollipop, the little fucking scamp. He'll fuck you up He's with a it. Scamp, isn't he? Yeah, but but and but and so again, this is this is like you know, like the Native American used every part of the buffalo. I like this idea of using every part of the the myth of the leprechaun. Be- again, we were talking about this. Like, what do you know about the the folklore surrounding these creatures? We both knew them as tricksters. How cruel they are. Um, and, and again, the sort of cartoony traditional aspect, probably most solidified with uh, St. Patrick's Day decorations and also fucking Lucky Charm cereal, this idea of like top hats and buckles and, you know, shillelaghs and, and all that kind of stuff that would be uh, handy for a leprechaun to have. But if someone were to take these aspects that seem whimsical and fun, childlike, something that you would see in elementary schools, like happy little leprechauns and their funny little pots of gold. And you take away uh, the, the aspects of these characters that were really supposed to be cautionary cha- tales about greed and cautionary tales about wandering deep into the woods, going to places that you'd never been before. It was all about trying to keep people safe. And th- these stories... Well, you strip s- away all the frivolity from Santa Claus and he's I, basically some sort of demon. Exactly. So it's like like that. And most of the fun things I learned about leprechauns were from Darby O'Gill and Little People, mm. even like Banshees aside, or like things like Lucky Charms and St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day. But uh, the things I actually knew about mm-hmm. leprechauns, which sounds like a fucking ludicrous statement, mm-hmm. came from my grandmother, the, oh. the woman who would not drive me to the end of a rainbow, not only because of the way rainbows work, honey, and you won't be able to reach the end of the rainbow, and that you won't be able to get the gold from the leprechaun anyway without dire circumstances and it will ruin your life because that's what leprechauns do mm-hmm. who also had a shillelagh hanging on the wall so how mm-hmm. am i supposed to doubt her she also had four leaf clovers handy mm-hmm. not just in case she never like put the two things together they just happened to have four leaf clovers and she knew quite a bit about leprechauns so i mean i had a lot of this blend as a child of like what i thought of as real lore about mm. leprechauns via v this myth the fun myth of the fun leprechaun. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I had a lot of interest in... When I was a kid, I, I went through a pretty heavy uh, demonology phase. I think we all have been there. <laughs> and when 
I would get books. A lot of them would be, I mean, dedicated demonological books uh, can be kind of expensive for a young a young person. Uh, so I would usually get books that had a lot of demonology in them, but also other like uh, folklore, yeah, dark dark folklore, myths and legends, myth, myth and legends etc. Yeah. And so any uh, passages on things like fae, things like leprechauns, things that oh fairies are so cute, and and you see cartoon fairies and you think that they're like pretty things, pretty things that that Barbie makes dolls out of and shit like that. But then you realize. Um, a lot of these stories about what these creatures were were incredibly sadistic. And they will and dark drug you with and, their food, so never eat their food. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And and the places, you know, this idea, this this movie that you taught me about this person or showed me, uh, the Little People movie, the, the, I can't remember the first word you Darby said. Gill. There we go. Um, yeah. This idea that he's trapped in this underworld with them. I was like, that tracks to me. That yeah. tracks to me about, that was, the, that was the, 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 the fearful thing about fairy tales would, if you were to, enter their world getting out is the fucking problem mm-hmm. once you've sort of glimpsed this this other worldliness and and so freedom and uh, uh is kind of like what you're uh holding on to to try to get away from things like this so again this is a long drawn out way to say yes i really like the belt buckle knives it's very cool to me and and i like that at no other point was he using he he just was like look at me buckles Let's and he asks he- people for a light for his pipe and stuff but he doesn't like burn them with it yeah yeah, yeah exactly there's a the one fucking where he burns his hand and like fucking uses a spatula it's like out of fucking we're evil. really cooking now kids <laughs> which is a good little one-liner yeah and, and also it, it it really shows that the 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 leprechaun in this has a really otherworldly body you can't seem to damage it they shoot him twice they they shoot him he has uh lost his hand it seems he cannot regenerate but if he can get into contact with organs that he's missing an eye is a really good example he takes an eye out of the dead cop an eye for an eye very fucking funny very cool i like that aspect quite gory too because he does you know the camera lingers on him having removed this eye with the optic nerve and all and he does mm-hmm. a really good job of plucking it out and shoving it in yeah shoving it in then now he's got a new eye so i like that aspect of of like regeneration but you need to have at least a body part i don't know if like if he were to lose his hand and he didn't get that one back if we were to take someone else's hand would that now become his hand it just opens the door for like interesting questions um, but that's not really going to worry about it because the little boy is going to take his Dennis the Menace fucking slingshot with his pre-chewed gum and what? put the, I know, and put his four leaf clover straight down that creature's mouth. Fuck you, lucky charm, which is not a cool line as I think they hoped it would be. And I might like it more if it wasn't that little twerp saying it. Like if maybe, I was going to call her Rachel again, if maybe Tori had said in that. my mind this is fascinating creeps the, the rewrite here yeah the <laughs> rewrite here is that they put this four-leaf clover on gum and put it in the shotgun and the you know kevin bacon style man shot the leprechaun that's mm. what i remembered because i had deleted this kid from my recollection entirely that's like when we watched the cell and i remembered that whole fucking sequence about how they caught the serial killer initially, like what happened from to like him? either a different movie or a dream. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, where was this? The sequence is not even close to what I thought it was. Even once I had accepted this child existed in this film, the end was still shotguns to me, mm-hmm. not like 
that stupid slingshot now. Yeah, it's. I, I suppose in, in in some aspects, I can see what they're doing. But uh, you know what? No, I'm taking that back. I think that, that that kid character was not necessary, and I don't like him at all. And he didn't need to deliver the killing blow. Although I do really like this melting sequence, and I both like the the special effects on it are really nice, and I love the glow, and I love this idea of him falling ass backwards into a well. Green energy, like you just killed Skeletor or something. Or Ganon, yeah. Ganon, Ganon yeah. Better than Ganon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking... Uh, it's it's really really cool and it's he's skeletal and gooey. It really reminds me of um, Gremlins when they electrocute Spike in the water at, and he's like melting into that gooey skeleton. He looks kind of like that. Although the Gremlins movie, I mean, obviously, just they had more money and it's a little bit more gory in Gremlins, really. But like in in this, it's quite good. And then when he crawls back out of the well. And it's just like this fucking mangled puppet skeleton gooey thing. I'll get me gold. Like, fuck, man, that's good. That's good stuff. I liked it. Because the end is really, really good. And I do like that they blow up the well in a Michael Bay-esque explosion. <laughs> Pouring gasoline into a well and it explodes like you just put a stick of dynamite in there. Fine. Yeah, fine is right. Fine <laughs> is right. Because... We're in Looney Tunes land with this. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily kill the leprechaun because we get to hear him talking about how he's going to get that coin back. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and his final rhyme. And it, and it really kind of lead, leaves the movie off in a haunting way, yeah. right? Where you think, maybe there was a more serious version of this script. <laughs> maybe. Well, when they say that Warwick Davis, his... Um, portrayal of the leprechaun led to a more comedic slant okay his portrayal is one thing what did he rewrite the entire fucking script because Mm -hmm. it is funny from beginning to end Mm -hmm. everything that leprechaun does has a macabre sense of hilarity to it every single fucking thing he does so did he rewrite it all or did he just deliver these lines that were meant to be scary i don't know but uh i think that it works I don't think it's any more dark than the rest of the film. It works in line with the beginning of the film. He's underground yet again. Mm. He's in shadow again. Mm-hmm. He has chilling lines for us again. Mm-hmm. I like it. Me too. So what do we got next for him? Coming up next, we have Wishmaster. Oh, yeah. So we're not Wish quite Master. done with this. We're not quite. <laughs> I love how you said that. It's going to be the, the shittiest way to say that. We're not done with this yet. No, um, I'm very interested to see. I've... Almost rewatched Wishmaster when it was on Netflix for a hot minute. And I started watching a bit of it to start. And then I turned it off, not because I wasn't enjoying it, but I had to go do something else. Um, but I have not sat down and watched it since I was younger. And so I'm quite excited to watch it again. I do know that for some reason, this gin was very important to me as a as a as encroaching into my teenage years uh i really liked it and we want to talk about like a character that is um just like cool and kind of fucked up and and seems to really enjoy what he's doing and again going off of this um evil wish granter type motif a a, a thing that i loved so much that uh years ago i created an evil Wish granting demon that uh, will be a, 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 a tertiary character in the Teresa comic. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an updated version of the character, but um, 
with more um, me as a, as a, as an adult now sensibilities and how to write a character. But uh, it is, it is the building blocks to my fascination with magical wish granting characters that fuck people over with monkey paw wishes. Like for some reason it really, I really narrow in on it. And Wishmaster was a huge part of that. Hmm, crazy. I don't remember ever seeing it. I might have, but I don't think I have. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a fun, fresh 80s thing for me. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it's got a lot of cameos too. Yeah. Kane Hodder, Robert England, uh, Tony Todd. There's a whole bunch of. Okay, so it's like late 90s? 97. 97? Okay, well, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you said Rubber Monsters, my brain is straight into the 80s. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited uh, to have you sit down and, and watch this with me and see what you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very excited. If you have any input in the meantime or any requests or want to add anything about your favorite intro to a horror movie, since we talked so much at the beginning with Thomas's question and with the introduction to this film, it, just drop us a line on Twitter. You can harass Wes on his Twitter. You can mm-hmm. find us both on Instagram. You can find us yeah. at squatterpictures.net. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, Twitter handle, if you're interested, is at Wes Nipe. That's Nipe, K-N-I-P-E. And my Instagram handle is dead underscore air 83. And uh, you can find me there. Or like Lids was saying, squatterpictures.net. Or you can write us a review on iTunes. Or you can uh, check us out on Podbean or Stitcher or anywhere that you are doing stuff and yeah uh, film requests questions anything you ever want us to talk about we will endeavor unless your question is stupid and i don't feel like it and on that note he is west Knight. i'm west Knight. and i'm typical lydia and you've been listening to dead air and a cat meow